HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Big Green Egg, the world's largest producer of ceramic charcoal grills, and also by Springer Mountain Farms, over 300 family farms raising birds in Georgia's Blue Ridge Mountains. Learn more at BigGreenEgg.com and SpringerMountainFarms.com. Hey, everybody. Um, Welcome back to our coverage um, of Charleston Wine and Food Festival. I'm Kat Johnson, the Communications Director at Heritage Radio Network. We are a member-supported nonprofit radio station based in Bushwick, Brooklyn. But for this weekend, we are live from Charleston. You can check out all of our full lineup at heritageradionetwork.org slash charleston to see who we're going to have joining us in the teepee. And if you're in Charleston, stop by the Culinary Village at Marion Square and look for the two giant teepees, and that is where we are. Also, you can come bid on a Big Green Egg Mini Max if you are into grilling. This is the setup you need. You can bid on it. Today and tomorrow until 2.30, and it comes with a starter pack, so if you win, you'll be ready to grill. And our sponsors are Big Green Egg and Springer Mountain Farms Chicken, and we want to give a big thank you to them for supporting our broadcast this weekend. Right now, I am joined by Chef Bruce Moffitt from Barrington's Restaurant in Charlotte, North Carolina. Thanks for joining me. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. So, you've been in Charlotte for, you said, 16 years? Yes, 16 years. So... You're not originally from there, but... No, I grew up in Rhode Island, so moving to the South was a big change for me. What do you love about Charlotte? Um, I love the... It's just a... It's a nice city. It's it's very easy to live there, Um, and uh, the cost of living is great. The schools are great. Um, You know, I moved from the Northeast where it snows and it's... uh, And your car gets towed or run into, so just uh, being there and the people... Uh, in the South are just, you know, wonderful, and it's uh, it's been a great transition. How do you think Charlotte's changed in, say, the past 10 years? Um, it's becoming, uh, if you're talking about food-wise, it's becoming um, much more of a food town. We had uh, Johnson & Wales move from Charleston to Charlotte, and it took about six, seven years to really start to feel the impact of it. And uh, we have a huge now farmer's market scene. Uh, they're popping up all over the place. So we get lots of um, good local produce. Uh, we have a lot of good uh, resources as far as employ, you know, to employ. So I think the restaurant community is really starting to evolve in Charlotte, and it's pretty exciting. Um, you, you're very supportive of local producers. Um, what, what do you think that producers and farmers in the Charlotte area, like 
can provide to you that other areas don't have? Um, well, it was funny. When I first got there 16 years ago, I got my first produce order, and I was like, oh, my goodness, how am I going to serve this? And I didn't know what I was going to do. So I kind of went out in the community and found the farmer's markets, and it's just um, – you know, to have something that you can put on a plate that's uh, less than two days old, you know, you really get a full spectrum of flavors and freshness that you just don't get anywhere else. And so to have so many local farms to pull from and, and to utilize is just, it's, it's really nice. And sustainability is a big important thing in your restaurant. Um, what, how, what practices do you use? You know, I, I try to um, make sure that we use the small carbon footprint as possible. You know, so we try to get things that aren't prepackaged and packages and packages of packages and things that haven't come from California or, you know, all the way across the world. So I think as far as that's concerned, um, you know, we try to find things that are local, um, people that are using good farm practices and not destroying the land. Um, and, uh, you know, we choose fish based on what's available, what's local, uh, what's coming from a small uh, from a small window and things that just aren't being fished out and destroyed. Now, I want to ask you about what you did before you were a chef. Uh, well, I was a graduate from the University of Rhode Island, and uh, my first job was working for a U.S. senator. And then uh, after that, I did some uh, trade association work, and I started working for the American Trucking Association, and it was one of the most frustrating jobs I've ever had in my life. So once I got into cooking, it was my life started to make sense, and I really enjoyed it. So with a background a little bit in politics, mm-hmm. do you see any kind of crossover now that you're a chef? Do you do you consider yourself to be politically active? Um, yeah, I mean, it's always in the back of my mind. Um, and uh, so I'm always kind of thinking about... Uh, uh, social causes and things like that and helping out organizations, um, you know, as well as um, trying to get away from big agriculture and things like that and big fishing and all the things. And it, a lot of times I feel like, unfortunately, the deck is stacked against smaller things. I think some of the bigger organizations literally uh, push for, for legislation that they know is well, going to hurt them slightly but will crush the smaller people. And as a smaller person, I just know the importance of being involved in the community and being a part of the community and kind of giving back to them and having them give to me. You know, it's been a really wonderful way to make a living for the last 16 years. It's really very fulfilling. I know that you you use social media quite a bit in order to kind of like act, activate uh, yeah. for causes in your community. What, uh-huh. what are some What are some ways that you do that? Uh, well, I have a great uh, team around me. Um, I'm pretty, uh, at age 52, I'm a little clueless about social media, but we sit down on a weekly basis and kind of discuss the causes that we want to be involved in and then um, and uh, how we want to become involved. And then we uh, kind of set forth on our, um, uh, on our different platforms uh, and, 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 further, and further those causes. So, um, and then we have something called the Piedmont Culinary Guild, which is all the Charlotte chefs getting together and kind of working towards that in a little more organized fashion. So it's been a kind of a two-faceted thing, and it's, I think it's been pretty successful. Can you tell us more about the Piedmont Culinary Guild and what they do? Yeah, it's an organization that we kind of put together um, a little while back, and it's a lot of the independent uh, restaurants kind of 
we really started it out as maybe a way to get um, to to share resources. So from employment to hey, I'm using Farmer Joe and he's got great ducks or whatever it is. And so and it's every year it's kind of built a little bit more and a little bit more and. You know, it's a way of uh, having a little stronger of a voice to get involved in social causes that we feel strongly about or, um, you know, are, are just kind of sharing information. And I think one of the things I noticed in Charlotte when we first opened was, you know, we felt like we we're all competing for the same 20 uh, fine diners in Charlotte. And now it's kind of broadened out. And I think we're working together and we're a lot less competitive with each other. And I think once you do that, you're kind of opening up the door to have a much uh, better food community. And so, slowly but surely, I see that evolving, and that's, that's really nice. Speaking of maybe competing for certain resources with restaurants, I know that one thing that a lot of markets have a challenge with is, is finding really great cooks. Do you find that a challenge at all in your area? Oh, yeah. It's a huge challenge. It's, you know, it's a strange industry because it's, uh, we work when other people are playing. So it's 12 hours on your feet in a 110-degree kitchen. So it, the job is not for everyone. And I think a lot of people initially get into it with some misconceptions. So they think that they're going to be the next celebrity chef. And I think when they're faced with the reality, so the labor pool is small. And then you know, there's been some studies and, and reports and, and magazines lately that kind of is saying, well, you spend $40,000 on culinary school to get out and make $8 an hour. And that's so that, I think that deters people. But for some reason, the minute we're shorthanded and think that we're going to be in a little bit of trouble, someone walks through the door. And it's just kind of been, you know, I've, I've just uh, tried to create a family atmosphere in my restaurants where everyone feels like they have a voice, everyone feels involved in the whole process. And I think I've been lucky. I've, been ma- I've managed to keep the same staff in place in most of my restaurants for a long time. What are some things you think that uh, specifically about your restaurant that, that lends itself to that kind of an environment? Uh, I think every, I empower everyone. I hire as few people as possible, and I give people as much responsibility as they can and try to empower them and involve them in the creative process. Um, and uh, hold them accountable. And I think, you know, to have to know what your the expectations are when you walk through the door, and to produce a product that you're proud of on a daily basis. I think that excites people, and I think that's why a lot of the younger cooks get into it. So I think I've been able to ha- have a platform for those people to come in and grow, and and hopefully move on to the next step. Great. We're gonna, we'll wrap up soon, but I wanted to give you a chance to talk about what you're up to this weekend in Charleston. Uh, this weekend, uh, well, we uh, did a dinner at Pugin's Porch and um, got to work with some really great chefs. That was a lot of fun last night. And then today we're, do, we're uh, working with um, Springer Farms. Uh, we did a chicken demonstration. We did a chicken uh, meatball uh, lettuce wrap. And then tomorrow, uh, I met a guy uh, last year when I did this um, who's got an oyster farm. So we're going to be doing some oysters with him. And then we're kind of going out, sampling uh, the cocktails and the, uh, and the food and all that of uh, Charleston. So that's always a highlight. And just getting to see how different people approach the same thing that I approach and getting different and new ideas. So 
and just running into people that I haven't run into in a long time and catching up with them. That's a lot of fun. It's like a big reunion. It really is, yeah. yeah. I like it. One other thing, you, you work a lot with Big Green Egg, right? I do, yeah. Tell, tell me why you love Big Green Egg. It's just a really kind of rudimentary and fun way to cook. Mm-hmm. Um, you have, uh, it's kind of something that the better you get at it, the more control you have over it. You can hold your heat. You can cook things for a long period of time, or you can get it as hot as you want and really cook that way. It's just so versatile uh, and so much fun. I was kind of intimidated by my green egg for a while, and it just kind of sat there in my yard. And I was like, eh, well, and then once I lit the first charcoal, now I'm hooked. And so I find excuses to have dinner parties now and to have people over. And, you know, I'm trying to perfect my ribs or I'm trying to perfect my brisket or whatever it is and or, or my chicken. And so it's just, uh, I don't know, I got kind of addicted to it. So now I'm going on, and we took a tour of the uh, Big Green Egg facility in Atlanta and, and met the chef there, and she was fascinating, and it's just a fascinating group of people, and it's a lot of fun to play with. What do you think some, because you can cook a lot of things on it. What do you think one thing that would surprise people that you can cook in a Big Green Egg? Uh, well, we've done everything. We've done, um, you know, I put all my vegetables in there. Um, I cooked cornbread in there. No way. Yeah. My only my only thing was the first time I did it, I was like, oh, you cook cornbread at 350. So I tried it through, and that didn't work. You got to get it a little hotter because the dome gets a little cooler because I'm constantly open. I was constantly opening it up and shutting it. So. Yeah. But yeah, cornbread, I would say, was the one thing that, and it had a nice smoky flavor in the background. It was, it was cool. Nice. Do you put jalapenos in your cornbread? A little bit of, yeah. Yeah. A little bit of cheddar. Yeah. And some corn. Yeah. So good. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me and and talking about your restaurant and the Charlotte scene. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Awesome. Well, you're listening to Heritage Radio Network at Charleston Wine and Food Festival. We'll be back shortly. Make sure that you check out our uh, schedule at heritageradionetwork.org slash charleston. Thanks once again to our sponsors, Big Green Egg and Springer Mountain Farms Chicken. We will be back shortly with more awesome guests. This episode is brought to you by Big Green Egg, the world's largest producer of ceramic charcoal grills. In business since 1974, they've transformed ancient cooking vessels into modern-day masterpieces. Today, they sell seven sizes of the egg, as well as hundreds of accessories designed to make your cooking fun, entertaining, and delicious. Often copied but never equaled, the Big Green Egg is the ultimate cooking experience. Learn more at biggreenegg.com. This episode is also brought to you by Springer Mountain Farms, over 300 family farmers raising birds in Georgia's Blue Ridge Mountains. Many of them are second and even third generation. They're committed to doing things the right way. Springer was one of the first poultry companies to forego the use of antibiotics, and they've embraced other humane practices too. In fact, they were the first poultry company to earn the American Humane Association seal of approval. Learn more at springermountainfarms.com.